Alright everybody, good morning. Welcome to High Desert Word Center. How are we doing this morning? Man, it's blessed to be in the house of the Lord. Blessed to be here with the family and, and we're going to worship God today. We're going to have an awesome dynamite service. Got a lot of great stuff planned today. I'm going to have my lovely mother come on up. She's going to give us a few announcements. Got a lot of great stuff going on. Who's enjoying the Barstow heat this year? Come on somebody. Oh, yeah, no. You don't even have to feel obliged to clap. That was that was just totally facetious. So anyway, praise God. Mom's got some great news for us. So let's hear the exciting good news that we got going on. All right, everybody. Good morning. You know, at High Desert Word Center this year has been the baby year, right? So I don't see uh, Norman Blake yet, but they had their little baby girl, Madison Jean. She was born this week. She was 7 pounds, 6 ounces, 19 inches long. But also, uh, Juan and Arlene had their little baby boy early. His name is Matthias Gabriel, and he was 5 pounds, 4 ounces, 17 inches long. So anyway, two new babies this week. So thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I know. We've had tons of babies. Hallelujah. All right. Also, the T-shirts have been shipped. They'll be here next week for all of you who bought the Barstow uh, Faith Confession T-shirts. And uh, I'm so excited about that because, man, talk about an awesome way to witness. It's going to be wonderful. And just for your information, I don't like this heat. <laughs> but it keeps me inside keeping busy. So. Anyway. Praise God. So be here next week because the T-shirts are coming in. 
we had such a large order, we had 82 t-shirts ordered, so it took them a minute to make all of them, because these are front and back shirts, but a great, uh, great response to those, so we'll be blessing Barstow everywhere we go. Who thinks that sounds like a good idea, man? Yes! Spreading the love of Jesus everywhere we go, every day. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I do recommend that you don't wear it every day because you are going to need to wash that thing, especially August in Barstow. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. Very good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and have Pastor come on up. We're going to take our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And here in just a little bit, we're going to have communion together, which is awesome. We're set up for that. And we're going to have a fantastic service. Amen. So, Pastor, go ahead. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be under the anointing? Amen. I like to be at the spout where the blessings poured out. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. You already know what to do about the envelopes and everything, right? Right. Well, okay. If you need an envelope, come up and you can get down the bucket. They're all... They'll go out. Raise your hands and they'll go out to you. Everybody's sanitized and... All the stuff they're supposed to be and all anointed and ready to go. Open up your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And when you read the book of Deuteronomy, they've just come out of the wilderness. How many know that, that the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years? For 40 years they wandered around the wilderness because they had a bunch of unbelievers so they had to get under judgment and they had a few believers mixed in with them and finally they came out of judgment. And as I'm reading Deuteronomy chapter 8 this morning, I'm looking at what they went through and I want to pick up, matter of fact, we're going to look at verse 18, but I want to read a couple of verses before that. I want you to look at verse 15. And I was thinking about what we're going through right now around the world and in America as Christians. How many kind of feel like we've been in the wilderness for a few months? It's been a different, it's been a different season, a different kind of life. Things haven't been going smooth like we're used to, have been going like they should have been. But how many know that God was with you? Had Jesus with you? Said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So they went through all the things they went through and they came out. And then verse 15, Moses, is the voice of God talked to the people. And it says that God led thee through that great terrible wilderness where were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna. And you know what? For these empty shelves, I'm so glad that God's been feeding us with manna. God's been providing and giving us what we need. So even in times of lack, God's been providing he says, with manna which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, he might prove thee or test thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. There's light at the end of the tunnel. We're coming to the latter end of this season we've been in. And God said, we've been going through a test. How many feel like you've been tested? Our faith's been tested. I know that for me, I've noticed more than ever in the morning time, especially when I'm kind of... Uh, a little bit my spirit, more spiritual mode in the morning time when I get my day started. And even during the course of the day, all of a sudden, I hear coming out of my heart, my mouth, thanking Him for little things of life. Thanking Him that you did this. Thanking Him that you provided this. Thank you, Lord, that my family's protected. Thank you, Lord, we came through this. Thank you, Lord, you gave me that. 
thank you, Lord, for the good deal you did on that. He provided in doing things. And God wants us to know he's the one doing those things. And so anyway, it says, to do the good thou latter in. And then he says, and thou shalt say in thine heart. And he's telling you what not to do. He says, don't say my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. God does not want us ever to give credit to anybody or anything for being the provider of our life. Take care of us. He says, verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to go broke and bankrupt. Oh, that was a religious translation. Wow. And you know, to think about how some people have been religiously brainwashed instead of biblically taught to think that God wants his people poor. God said, I give you the power to get wealth. And he says, here's the reason. That he may establish his covenant. That he may establish his covenant. If there's ever a time right now that we don't need broke Christianity, it's now. we got to have money to reach out and to help people that need help right now. And I'm not just talking about financial help. I'm talking about we got to be taken care of so people will come to us for answers and we can bless them financially. But the main thing is, the one answer they need is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ wants you to believe in Him so you can go to heaven. Jesus Christ prayed, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to be able to enjoy some heaven on earth before we get to heaven. And that's why He said, I give you power to get wealth to establish the covenant. And so that wealth there means an abundance of valuable material possessions or resources. It means abundant provision, full supply. God wants us to have more than enough so we can be a blessing to those around us, have more than enough for our families to be blessed. Somebody said amen. 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 And so I want to say, say this. Tithing opens the door to the covenant. Tithing opens the door. That's just the beginning of your prosperity is to always give back to God 10% of what he's blessed you with. And the other thing I like to say is this. God has got to get it through you before he can get it to you. You can't have a blockage. You can't have a blockage in your spiritual prosperity. And so when God gives it to you, if you'll give him back 10%, then he can get it through you. And if he gets it through you, that's, that's when your prosperity really starts. When your bills are paid. When you're not the borrower anymore. When you go to buy a car and you don't think how much are the payments, but you think, what could I buy for the cash I've got? Just keep it, you're working your way up, keep working your way up. Because the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. And so we got to start changing our thinking. And the Lord told me years ago, I, he said, you know what the first step is to be the lender? And I said, no, what is it? He said, quit being the borrower. And so we need to start changing our thinking if we want to come up higher. So it starts right here that God says, I give you the ability to get wealth to establish the covenant. Be faithful with the 10%. And God will bless you for a whole lot more. I didn't say that. God said that right here in the Bible. Amen. Amen. So let's make our financial faith confession. Then we'll worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. Say this with me. As we break the Lord's tithe, 
and give offerings today, we believe we receive. Jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, meet all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give just in the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all just stand up and let's worship the Lord together. out of the shadow, step out of the grave, break into the wild, and don't be afraid, run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you, dance like the weight has been lifted, graces Waiting where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Hold, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' 
will fall. The prisons shake at the sound. Jesus name. Jesus. I awake at the sound. Jesus
place you found me and I surrendered when your grace covered my shame and saw my need you gave me hope and a future my heart is yours now and forever I am loved only because you first loved me and I Jesus, I love you. Yes, I love you. Because you first loved me. sacrifice is overwhelming suffered and died because you loved me and now I'm alive only through Christ who first loved me Nothing can tear me away from your love, Lord. 
close to God it covered all sin there is nothing that separates us from the Father so let's sing I love you Lord
take just a minute this morning to tell him we love him. He showed how much he loved us. He gave his entire life for us. He laid it all down. He didn't hold anything back. And so we as a church and we as believers say we're not going to hold anything back from Jesus. You gave us everything, Lord. The least we can do is give you a little bit of praise. The least we can do is not be ashamed of the gospel. The least we can do is to raise our hands to you and surrender and say, Jesus, you got me. I'm not running anymore. I lay it all down at your feet. We praise you. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, today is a special day for several reasons, but today is communion sunday and as we're in an attitude of worship here uh we're gonna we're gonna we're blessed we get to take communion together and that is a powerful statement that's a powerful thing we've got the sanitized individually wrapped pre-packaged thing so nobody's uh touched your communion but as we're as we're preparing in a minute to do that i want to look at a couple of verses here because i'm really thinking this morning about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Now, 1 Corinthians 11 is a very familiar communion chapter and passage. That's where the Apostle Paul gives the instructions on how we're supposed to take communion as New Testament Christians. But he says something very interesting right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. It says, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And one thing that Jesus said in the previous verses there is, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. Jesus kept saying, remember what I did for you. And I can say, hey, if I went through crucifixion, if I died on a cross, I'd kind of want my followers, I'd kind of want my family to remember a little bit about what I had done for them. Now, here's the problem that we run into is that so many of us, we don't. We don't have any idea what all Jesus went through. We like to think we do. We like to say that we do. But the truth is that we don't. And so I want to read just a couple of verses. And I've done this many times in the past. But out of Isaiah chapter 53, just a few verses here. uh, Because it was prophesied in great detail what Jesus' death would look like way before he ever actually came and died for us. And so... Uh, Isaiah 53, we see the story here of Jesus, the humble servant, the guy that didn't stand up and say, hey, I'm the king of the world. Show a little respect. The guy that didn't say, you can't talk to me like that. You don't know who my dad is. The guy that came here and just took it. The guy that came here and just took it for us. Isaiah 53 and verse 3, it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him. And looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He wasn't doing this for his own sake. He was doing this for our sake. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. 
but He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Think about that. And you wonder why I'm not afraid in the world right now. Jesus was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Peter said, by His stripes, we were healed. Come on. And so, Jesus paid the price for it. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on Him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet He never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, He did not open His mouth. And I could keep reading on and on, but but it's telling us what Jesus went through. But look at what chapter 52 says in verse 13 and 14. Chapter 52. It says, See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. This is prophesying what Jesus would end up looking like at this crucifixion. He was so beat up, so disfigured, you couldn't even tell it's a human being standing there. And so how dare me to not take this commandment of communion, to not take this holy ordinance, to not take communion seriously. I don't mess around with communion. I don't play around with that. That's a holy set apart time. And I believe that Christians need to be able to take communion together in person and remember what Jesus went through. And so as we just reflect a little bit right there on what we just read, we'll look at a New Testament scripture in a minute, but I'm going to ask us to go ahead and come up, get the elements, space yourselves as, you know, wonderfully as possible, but get the elements and let's take them back to our seats and we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. Amen. You're free to come on forward. You don't have to be a member of this church. You just need to be a member of the family of God. Amen. And so come on up.
1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So we're going to do what this next verse says right here. It says, that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so we're going to take a, a minute here this morning, just a minute. But I want us to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves for a moment and ask God, what do I need to change? What do I need to fix in me right now? So many people are saying, God, change my circumstances. Well, what if God needs to change you first of all, right? And so what a perfect time for us to examine ourselves right here and say, God, is there anything in me? Just point out anything. So let's take a minute to do this. for the work that you're doing in our hearts right now, God. We know you're working on our hearts. We thank you, Father. Amen. You are good to us, Lord. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Paul said, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. Lord, we remember, we will never forget what you did for us. And we thank you, Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. But the blood 
We thank you for your sacrifice and you didn't hold back. You laid it all on the line, Lord. We love you. We could never thank you enough, Lord, but we'll do our best to live for you. You gave your life, so we'll give ours. We'll give it to you, Father. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen today? Can somebody shout for Jesus? Amen. God is good to us. You can be seated today. Hallelujah. Man, what a, I've already had a great time at church. We haven't even got to the message yet. I've already had a good enough time. But praise God. Well, this week, I'm excited, man. This is going to be a little bit different. Um, you know, I'm glad that, that we're a Holy Ghost church, a church that, you know, I, I, I hear some, uh, you know, some pastors and stuff and, you know, they, they plan their sermons out a whole year in advance and I've got, you know, I've got my sermon series for every month and, and I, you know, I do that to a little bit of an extent, but I've all, I've never wanted to be locked in and say, man, God told me to preach something this Sunday, but we've already got scheduled for me to be preaching about, you know, whatever, fruity pebbles or whatnot. And, and so this, I had a sermon planned for this week, but, uh, but the Lord, uh, changed something, uh, changed directions on us, I guess you could say. And so, we're, we're currently in our series, and this is part of it today, called Love Riot. And we're using that word riot as an acronym for a righteous invasion of truth. Because who thinks the world needs a little truth right now? Yeah? Who thinks the world, they need love. And not, not the frou-frou fake stuff, but the God kind of love, the real deal, the real agape love of God. And so uh, we're, we're looking at bringing love, the God love, and bringing truth to 2020 because that seems to be a couple of things that are currently missing in our society but as we were uh i think i don't know someday this week i don't know what day it was but we're having a meeting about reopening children's church because that is vitally important and you'll see why i say that in a few minutes but as we were doing that you know uh leah and desiree katie and i we we're just we man we got tears in our eyes now i came close i don't cry often but leah was definitely crying and so <laughs> and the Ladies were crying. I was this close to. I was, I was. I was getting misty. You ever been there? Like you're not sure if it's sweat, but it was. But something was going on there. And so we we're thinking about how vital children's ministry is right now. Now, some people, I say that, and you're like, no, it's not. Kids got it easy, man. They don't know what we're dealing with. And 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 you are so off off base. It's not even funny. And I'm gonna. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but we need to realize. That this whole generation, but especially right now, 2020 has been a crazy year for everybody. I mean, no way you look at it, even though what, whatever your feelings are about mask or no mask, or, I mean, you know, who cares, whatever. But, but it's been crazy. It's been nobody, it's like nobody knows what's going to happen next and, and, and fine. But, but as adults, we've dealt with a lot of that. But what so many adults don't realize is, Kids have dealt with a lot too. 
And I'm being very serious about that. They, But they don't know how to process all of it the same as maybe you do. They don't know how to work through a lot of it the same as you do. Some of them are doing better than a lot of the adults at handling their emotions. But at the same time, still, uh, the kids are people too. And they've had to deal with a lot too. And kids have been scared seeing the news on TV every day, right? I mean, hopefully you have some level of putting more Bible in front of them than you do news. But anyway, kids have been seeing a lot of the things unfolding on TV. Like there's a city on fire over there. There's people with this over here. There's this is going on and 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 people are losing their job. And, and kids are seeing all this. Right. And so they've been handed a crazy plate of whatever, too. And all they know is in March of this year, they were at school one week playing with their friends. And then over the weekend, it seems like everything changed and now they can't see their friends anymore. And another thing that we'll dig into is it is a children. We've got a very small window of time to mold them and shape them and, and to give them their spiritual foundation for the future. And and it's a very serious thing. It's critical how we as parents and adults handle children in this very short period of their time. I remember, you know, uh, 17, 18, I felt like I'd lived a pretty long life already. I mean, you know, anybody else remember that? Like, well, hey, I mean, I've... Here I am. <laughs> and, you know, I got engaged at 18, married, you know, right there at 19. And we had done a lot by the time, you know, by, by a young age. But still, looking back now, 18 years doesn't seem like that long of a period of time to me anymore. 16 years, 15 years, 10 years. That used to seem like, wow, a whole decade. That doesn't seem that long anymore. And that's the short window of opportunity that we as Christians have to really reach kids. And I'm going to show you some stuff in a minute to prove a lot of what I'm saying. But I did some, I've done some research, you know, over the past few days, and it's not that hard to, to do research anymore and find these things. But home life, the home life for a lot of people has been even worse than ever in 2020. You're like, well, I mean, our family's been good. I, I mean, I'll, I'll bet that if you're a, you know, a, a mature, stable, on fire for God Christian, it probably hasn't been that bad. And I'll admit, we have not felt a lot of the effect. People tell me stuff, that, you know, like, you haven't experienced this? I'm, I, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that you have, but a lot of this, honest to God, hasn't really done much to us just because we live in the shelter of the most high. And I'm not, again, I'm not judging anybody else, but it hasn't affected us. I, I hear of churches that have, you know, have just gone through so much financially and everything else. And I'm like, honestly, it just hasn't happened to us. And well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Never say never. I'll say never. I've got Jesus on my side, Jack. Come on. I'll, yeah. I mean, seriously. So I'm bold enough to say that, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know, I was talking to someone a while back and they're like, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says Christians are pr- protected from infectious diseases. And I'm like, I wasn't going to argue with him because he's a, you know, a brilliant man, but I do know more about the Bible than him. And I'm like, you don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says God promised to protect us? What about Psalm 91? What about 1 Peter 2.24? What about 3 John 2? I mean, come on, we could rattle off. God did promise to protect us from stuff. Anyway, let me get back onto this. I'm trying to, you know, usually I'm more of a preacher. I'm trying to go into teach mode today. So if you see me going wild and start screaming and spitting, just tell me to get back to my notes here. So I'm really trying, okay? But one thing I found out is home life 
has been super hard. And who does that affect most? It usually affects kids the most. And so uh, domestic violence is up as much as 130% in some areas. Little kids caught in the middle of that. Little kids caught in the middle of punches flying, parents beating the tar out of each other. Kids caught in the middle. Drug overdoses up 42% across the nation right now. Yeah, well, but it's essential to do this and that. Church isn't essential, but it's essential to, you know, be able to go to Taco Bell. And it's essential to be able to shut up. Churches being shut down has been an awful thing for America. Horrific thing. Awful thing. A, a trap from the devil to try to separate people. You can get the same thing watching online. I humbly... Uh, no, you can't. You can't. And, I, and I've experienced that. And you've experienced that. I don't judge anybody else that's got to do what they got to do. But it is not the same. I've had both. And I... Uh, this is better. So, anyway... Suicide rates have skyrocketed, skyrocketed throughout all this. Well, that doesn't affect kids. That affects kids. Doctors at John Muir Medical Center in Walnut Creek, California, say they have seen more deaths by suicide during the quarantine period than deaths from COVID-19. I got this off of ABC 7 News, so, you know, if you believe them, but I'm not making this up. Doctor, I'm going to try to pronounce his name right. Dr. Mike DeBoisbank said, we've never seen numbers like this in such a short period of time. We've seen a year's worth of suicide attempts in the last four weeks alone. That was in June, so I'm trying to get as up-to-date stuff as I can. But there, the emotional toll, the household toll of the pandemic or whatever you want to call it is tearing families apart. And it's messing with little kids and nobody wants to acknowledge that. Nobody wants to say anything about that because we focus on the real people, the adults. And that is dangerous. We can't be like that. And here's what gets me the most. And maybe you've seen a little bit of, we were down, Katie and I went down to San Clemente to the beach the other day. And uh, somebody had a little uh, booth out there. They were selling some t-shirts to raise money uh, to help support ending human sex trafficking. And I don't know if you've ever realized it, but America is a horrific, at the top of the list country for child sex trafficking. And that is, and and it's not just some kid that gets kidnapped. I mean, I've heard stories even from people here in Barstow that their own parents renting them out. Yeah, but their kids, they don't have real problems. Some of these kids I've met in Barstow have problems beyond anything I've ever imagined. And I've had cancer. All right. I mean, I've, I, there's some real stuff. There's a real enemy in this world. But the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the U.S. has recorded a 106% increase in their cyber tip line reports of suspected child sexual exploitation. In March of 2019, the hotline received just under a million reports. In March of 2020, it was over 2 million. And in April of 2020, it was over 4 million. One month into the quarantine, it doubled again. Now, I mean, come on. This is a legit situation. And the crazy part is, think about this. In that month of doubling to over 4 million, that's without kids being in school. And schools and teachers are who do the most of the reporting. If it's, oh, if it doubled and that wasn't even teachers calling it in, 
how mind-blowing is that? And, you know, I'm going to get positive here in a few minutes because that's what I do. I'm a very happy and positive person. My wife makes fun of me for being so happy all the time. So I'm going to get there, okay? But we just got to deal with some stuff today. And you're like, well, you know, that, that, that's, that, 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 that's the nation. But, but we live in this small little town. And I got local statistics, too, uh, from, uh, well, I'll just, Tawny uh, works at On The Rise Foster Care. So does Julie right there. So does Norma right there. And so does Jamie. I don't see her right now. But we got four or five at this church that work at the same place for there. And so I've been able to get some close-to-home numbers to tell us a little bit about what's going on uh, closer. And the sickest thing that I've seen, and I, you know, again, maybe you've seen this, but a legit push to accept pedophilia as just a sexual orientation. You know, like, well, they can't help it. Don't judge them that they're attracted to, and I, and I got kids in the room, so I'll be sensitive. But, but they, they, and I just watched a video this morning. I about threw up, you know, just watching it. Somebody saying, you can't judge these guys. That's just who they're attracted to. Just like, like baloney, you can't judge them. We'll, we'll be judged, jury, and execution. <laughs> no, I won't say that, but, but yes, I will judge that all day long. And don't tell me to not judge that. That's sick and twisted, and that's the devil trying to mess with little kids. And so a lot of Christians and people have this philosophy, you know, well, uh, you know, don't, don't push, you know, don't push the Bible onto kids at such a young age. Wait till they just, you know, just wait till they get older before you start bringing faith into the mix. The devil's not waiting till they get older to come and try to destroy their lives. Why do Christians wait, but the devil doesn't have to? I mean, I'm, how many people in here, you know, I'm not going to ask for details, but something that happened in your childhood has affected where you are today and things that happened in your adult life. The devil didn't wait until, well, I, I really want to screw this guy up with this, but let's wait till he's at least like 16, 18. Then we'll come in. The devil put cancer on me when I was three. Right? You know, the devil, he's worked through people to harm children and do all sorts of things, and he didn't care how old they were. So why should the church, why should Christians wait their turn and say, well, we know just wait till they're old enough to make up their own mind. It's vital that children's ministry take place and that adults, Christians, actively work to reach children with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to say a few things today. And uh, and just, man, I believe that God's going to speak to you and work with you. But we are, we've got... As at High Desert Word Center, we've got to reach kids and we are working on getting our children's ministry open because kids need Jesus. We've, we know, we've made videos. Our, our children's department was one of the first that I saw around to start making videos like a week or two after the quarantine to start getting church to kids any way they could. But it's time to start ministering to the kids. Uh, they need, they need it because they don't have school right now. They, they don't have any social interaction outside of the, you know, their own house. And so it's, it's just so vital. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to talk about two things. Father, in Jesus name, I thank you, Lord, that we are in your house today. Lord, we are, we're gathered and, and, and we're doing what you said to Lord. We're not forsaking the assembling of the saints as Hebrews 10 25 says. And Lord, we thank you for anybody else joining us online. God, that you're speaking to them right now. Lord, I pray that as we share your word today, it will not return unto you 
void. It will accomplish everything you send it forth to do. And we thank you, Lord, that you're opening our hearts and our minds and our eyes today to hear the truth of what you have to say. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So point number one is this. Number one, kids are real people. Kids are actual real people. They're not just, you know, little short specimens. Kids are real people. And I know that sounds like a silly thing to say, but most adults don't act like it. And it's, it's so important that we, that we get this. I heard Willie George, uh, you know, a lot of you maybe know who Willie George is. Uh, uh, he had the Gospel Bill kids TV show back in the 80s and all this stuff. So I grew up on that. But, uh, but, but Willie George, he has a giant 20,000 member church. But the weird thing is most of it is focused at kids. And so I think he has like a 300 acre campus and he said 80% of the whole and of all of his property and buildings is for kids. And he just, the 20% is for the adults. He focuses on kids, but has built this giant ministry. But he was saying that when he first got into children's ministry, a lot of people would call him, you know, we call Michael Jordan, the goat of basketball. Willie George is like the goat, the greatest of all time of children's ministry. The man is a literal genius when it comes to this stuff. But he was saying when he first started doing children's ministry, he was just talking to to a, a different pastor one day and sharing like, man, yeah, things are going great at church. Uh, we've had, you know, the church has been having this many people uh, that we've been ministering to. And another pastor said, okay, how many of them are kids? Like, what? Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe you're reaching 500 people a week, but let's, what's the real numbers? How many of those are kids and not adults? Like, well, what's that supposed to mean? That's supposed to mean that kids don't count. That's supposed to mean that, well, you know, uh, uh, it, you know, there, we'll push them off to the side and while we take care of the real people, the adults, because they're the real ones that need help and, and, and we need to focus on them. That is a lie from hell that is destroying people. How many of them are kids? And I, then I, I, he told me this, uh, well, I heard him say this, that most churches don't actually count kids in their attendance. And that was news. I'd never heard of that. I'm like, we've always done that. Why do we count kids in our attendance? Because we're not babysitting them. We are actually preaching the gospel to them. From nursery, newborn, you put a two-week-old baby in the nursery, they're going to hear the Bible. You be all the way up to, you know, the elderliest person here. We're preaching the gospel to every single age group. So let's count every single age group because we're ministering to them. And I didn't believe that. I was talking to another pastor a while back locally and, and he was like, oh yeah, we, no, I, don't count kids in the attendance. That's, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything to you, but that, like, I, that's just mind blowing to me that every person that we preach Jesus to counts as a human being. And I don't care if we go to church of 500 kids and 20 adults. I'm that's fine, man. I'm happy with that. We've got a church of 520. Kids are people too. And you know, I, I'm grateful that this has been the church of the bait, the, the, uh, we just had yesterday or the day before our Third or fourth baby born, fourth baby born within the last three weeks just from church right here. And we've had seven or eight babies. Why is that? We love kids here, right? I mean, there's other reasons why those babies were born. Come on. But, but at the same time, we love kids and, and, and I'm so excited about that, that we've got new life coming up. We've got church growth 
right there just from babies being born into the church. And so we don't have a babysitting service. We have a children's ministry at High Desert Word Center. And that is not to be confused with babysitting. We minister to kids because they're real people that will grow up someday. They will go to heaven or they will go to hell. And statistically, the greatest chance they have of ever receiving Jesus takes place right now. And I'm going to, I'll share that here in a second, but I want to talk about Willie George for just one minute here. He was sharing his story about growing up. He had a really solid, good life until his parents divorced when he was, I don't know, a certain age, like eight or nine or 10. And so he had to go live with his mom in Fort Worth, Texas, while his dad lived in a small town somewhere else. And he said, life got really, really bad. His mom was so depressed all the time that the doctor literally said, you know what, I recommend you start drinking a glass of wine or, or have a beer before, you know, every evening, and that'll just kind of light. She turned into a full-fledged alcoholic, abusive, suicidal, just train alcohol ruined the life of that family. And so he said every day, I mean, it was just, it just got worse and worse until one night he was faking like he was asleep in bed and he saw her peek through the door with him and his brother and say, I wonder what the boys are going to do when they wake up and find me dead. And so he, and, and again, kids don't have real problems. So just ignore this story. But, but he wakes up and he says, Mom, what are you doing? And she had an empty bottle of pills. She had downed a whole bottle of sleeping pills. And so they were poor because, you know, they had divorced and everything. So there was no phone at his house, no phone at any of the neighbor's houses because they lived in a really poor area. He said he had, at whatever, 10, 11 years old, he ran all the way to the other side of Fort Worth, Texas to get a hold of his grandparents in the middle of the night so they could save her life and get her. And he said he remembered being there in the hospital you know, they went to the charity hospital because they couldn't afford to go to the regular one. And the doctor's pumping his mom's stomach trying to save her life. He hated his childhood. Hated it. And for so many kids, home life is so bad. School was the and church were the, the two safe places they had to go to all week. Because going home was hell. And but we're going to keep them safe, you know, because they've got a 99.99% chance of survival. But but let, you know, anyway, I'm not going into all that. But but we've got kids being beaten at home, living through hell on earth at home right now, because they had school that at least gave them an eight-hour escape every day, or they had church where maybe their grandparents or neighbor would bring them and drop them off for two hours a week, and at least they had that one little window to take a breath and relax for a minute, and everything was okay. But we've taken that away. Now, that's an awful thing. And Willie George said later on, you know, he came home from school one day, and there was a trail of blood through the house, and he went in there and found his mom had stabbed herself, had to save her life again, and it went on and on and on. It was awful. And so his grandma would take him to church sometimes, and 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 that didn't do any good because he said their idea of children's ministry is they threw all the kids in one room and had a really old person read the King James Bible to the kids for 45 minutes and then close it and, you know, all right, go back to the adult. And, you know, at least they made some sort of effort. But he said, I didn't understand a word of what they said. And not one person ever at the church that his grandma took him to, not one person ever said, hey, how's life? Is everything going? Are you okay? Is everything okay? How are you doing? 
Nobody asked how he was doing. Nobody ever actually got down on his level and said, let me explain Jesus to you. Let me explain the gospel to you. Why didn't anybody ever ask a kid at church how he was doing? Because kids aren't real people. They don't, he can have problems. Let's talk to the adults over here. Now, you know, go to the room, go to the side over there. What an awful experience. And so when he got older, he got saved in high school and started the most amazing children's ministry in the history of the world. And so that's why I have a lot of respect for what he has to say. But look at this. I think I've got this on the screen. The International Bible Society and Barna Research, and they've done, they do this survey every couple of years. I mean, the, and the results are always the same. 83% of all Christians make their commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. Now, I would say that's exaggerated, but they do this every few years and always get just about the same number. 80, think about that. 83% of people that end up being a Christian, staying with it, make that decision to be a Christian between the ages of 4 and 14. That is an astronomical number, and the window gets smaller and smaller as people get older, and only 4% of people that become saved and really do stick with it make that decision after the age of 30. Think about that. Only 4% that, and, and, and I would say that's exaggerated. I don't believe these stats, but I've seen the same statistics every year for like 20 years going back. How important is it that we focus on ministering to kids? Most churches put all of their evangelistic efforts, put all of their money and resources into reaching a group of people. And you should. I mean, we got to evangelize everybody. But the average church puts all resources, all time, all effort, all evangelism, everything they've got into reaching the group that, statistically speaking, has the absolute lowest percentage chance of actually jumping on board with that and coming along to Jesus. we got to keep reaching everybody. I would never say don't evangelize adults. But what I am saying, it's absolute foolishness to put no effort in to evangelizing and ministering to kids when, statistically speaking, that's the greatest chance you've got at reaching somebody with the gospel. But most churches, they don't, most people don't see it that way. We have got to change how we view things. So Matthew chapter 18, let's look at some word here. Matthew chapter 18, stick with me. I'm going somewhere, going somewhere. And this applies to everybody. If you're a Christian and you're a person, this applies to you. Matthew 18, let's flip over there. Who's glad they came to church today? Matthew 18, we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And I've got to just thank God for the godly parents that we do have. Thank God for the godly grandparents that we do have. And parents, as I'm reading all this, man, I'm, you know, I've been studying this for a few days. I'm examining my life big time. Because, hey, who knows, it is not always easy when your kids get on your nerves a little bit. Anybody? Man, I took mine to Walmart last night and I was like, wow, I've about had it. Ugh. Then, of course, church people keep seeing me and they're like, hey, Pastor Dave, how you doing? And they want to talk. And I'm like, I just want to get out of this store with these kids. Just don't talk to me right now. 
please. So anyway, uh, Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. Now you need to realize that Jesus took kids very, very seriously. Very, very seriously. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. I'm in the New Living Translation. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, well, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, that sounds like Jesus takes kids kind of seriously to me, right? Now, I've said this before, but I'm just going to say it again. There's never one time in the Gospels where Jesus told kids, you need to act like the adults over there. But time and time again, he told adults they need to act like kids. Isn't that like the exact opposite of what we always hear? Man, you tell those kids to shut up. Tell them to be quiet right now. And, and I'm like, hey, I get it. We've got to teach our kids reverence. We've got to teach our kids the altar is holy. We've got to teach our kids communion is holy. We've got to teach them these things. But we can't get mad every time they aren't perfect little angels. Kids make a little noise. They do stupid things sometimes, okay? But that doesn't mean that we throw them out. Oh, man, they're, they're just this generation. I'll tell you right back when I was a kid, we never would have got away with that, blah, 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 blah. Like, my gosh. Chill, man. Chill. Well, I understand we got to teach them these things, but hating on them all the time and telling them to shut up does not tell them that they're valued and loved and that Jesus wants them to, you know, they, do you think that makes kids want to go to church when they get older, when they view church as just a bunch of cranky old people? Thank you for your holy silence. You're good at this. You're good at this. All right. You're good. So, but I mean, if that was my, I would, I, I would want to, when I was 18, I'd be like, man, let me split and go someplace where people don't hate their life so much. But kids need to see church as, as necessary, right? As life changing, as fun, right? And as people that love a place of love where I've had a bad week, I messed up, I need to get to church where where they're still going to love me anyway, where they're still going to be there for me and not throw me out. How about Matthew chapter 19? Matthew chapter 19, because Jesus, especially in the book of Matthew, had a lot to say about kids. Matthew chapter 19, and so it says, one day some parents brought their children to Jesus. Let's give a hand to these parents right there. I'm not joking. Let's give a hand for these parents because they did what a lot of parents fail to do. They brought their children to Jesus. I mean, well, he was sitting right there. It was so easy. It's Jesus is right here with us today. He didn't cease to exist, right? So parents that bring their children to Jesus are the best parents that there is. And so one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. That's Jesus over there, man. He doesn't have time for kids. Get him out of here. We've got blind people. We've got possessed people. We've got people with real problems. Get your kids out of here. There's no time for that. But look what happened. Jesus said, stop. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. 
Let me tell you this. Kids are not bothering Jesus. Time and time again, I see adults bothering Jesus. <laughs> right? I mean, he had to throw them out. He had to throw them out of the temple. Adults were bothering Jesus all the time, but never once is there a recorded instance of kids bothering Jesus. He kept saying, "You got to be like, you got to be like these guys." What are you talking about? You've got to become like these guys if you even stand a chance of getting into heaven. Now, there's a lot of reasons he wants us to be like kids, but I'm again, I'm trying to just stick stick on track right here. But I will say this. The churches that are the most successful, at least the churches I want to be like, are churches that make kids a priority. We have got to make kids a priority because if if we just only focus on, uh, we'll, we'll focus on, they'll leave the church when they get 18. Happens time and time again all across America. And then eventually that church just dies out because they made no investment in their future. It's foolish to not invest in your future. Because when all of us get old and die out, then it's all over with and we're gone. I mean, like, we had a good run. We had fun while while it lasted. But we did not do anything to bring Jesus to the next generation. That is so screwed up, so messed up, that it's not even funny. And so, I like what Pastor Gerald Brooks, he has a church in Plano, Texas, and we go and see him at least about once a year. But... His church's mission statement is this. We are a church for kids with adult care provided. (laughs) And that's that's been their mission. We are a church for kids with adult care provided. And like, yeah, the adults you can come to, but well, we're really, we're really ministering to the kids here. And so, you know, if any of this is flying over your head and like, I'm just, I'm not with that, then, you know, that's, you know, whatever, that's fine. We love you too. We'll do everything we can for you. But it would be foolish of us to not put a huge amount of our resources and effort into reaching kids. Because, I mean, you're seeing right now what happened. Look at, look at society right now. Let's just get real. Do you see all these crazy people everywhere you look? People, I mean, they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They're blowing stuff up. They're they're stabbing you. They're they want to burn your house down if you don't agree with them. All these crazy people everywhere. Think about that. This is obviously a generation that was not reached with the word of God and the gospel when they were. I mean, at least not in an effective way. Maybe some of them were, but whatever happened, it went wrong and it didn't stick. We have got as a whole, the body of Christ as a whole, Christians all across the nation to put some real effort into reaching kids because Satan is doing everything he can to reach kids. Have you seen some of these kids shows these days? I'm just being real. They're slipping stuff into your kids' shows and that, that you don't even have any idea about. The devil is not waiting until they get older. He's giving it everything he's got right now. And Christians are like, well, you know, we want to, we can't hold back from reaching kids. And so point number two is this. We have a responsibility towards them. Number one, kids are real people too. Number two, we have a responsibility, an obligation to them. We are to protect them, right? Who thinks that as a, as a person, you've, as a, as a man, as a woman, if you see a kid being harmed, you've just got some obligation to do something. 
If you don't think that, then you're screwed up. You're messed up. If you think that, well, I know it's not my business. I don't want to get involved. That is messed up. As a Christian adult person, you have an obligation to protect children when they need protected. But we also have an obligation to reach them with the gospel. And so look at this, Matthew chapter 18. We're in Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. Jesus says this about kids. Are you still glad you're here today? Matthew 18, 5 and 6. Jesus says, And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. What did I just read? That is some intense words right there. Jesus said, if you screw one of these kids up, you'd be better off to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean. Now, who thinks that sounds like a really bad thing to happen to you, that you do not want a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown out into the Pacific out there? Anybody? Show of hands. I'm asking for a show of hands. Okay. Some of you don't think that sounds bad. I think that sounds awful to have a stone tied around my neck and thrown into the death. As bad as that sounds, Jesus said, you'd be better off having that than dealing with me if you screw a kid up and cause them to stumble and, and end up in sin. I mean, my gosh. Jesus doesn't sound like he's playing around when it comes to our responsibility and our obligation to kids. And so I talked this week with uh, with Tawny over here. Uh, just I wanted some local stuff because we tend to read these things, especially in a small town. We're I mean, I'll admit I'm a small town guy. I grew up in a small town, lived in a small town other than college for most of my life. And so us small town people, we have a tendency to feel... Uh, I don't know, just cushioned from the rest of the world, right? And and like, well, I know that that probably does happen in L.A. I'll, be, I'll that guarantee you that happens over there in Chicago. It's awful over there. But we have a, a tendency to insulate ourselves and think that we don't have actual issues, you know, in our little bubble, right? And and a lot of the stuff, yeah, we don't see a lot of the stuff that other places see. But thank God. So I'm really happy to live in a great small town because hashtag Barstow is blessed. Am I right? Thank you. All right. So anyway. Get your merch next week, right? We got that church merch coming in. <laughs> so, but I was talking to her and uh, she told me that their agency is definitely super busy right now. I mean, really busy right now. Phone calls every day trying to get kids placed into a safe home in Barstow. Uh, you know, not just, well, once a week we get a call every day trying to rescue kids from abusive, bad, whatever situations every single day. And apparently, I didn't know this, but if I understood this right, there was a court order during quarantine to stop kids from having visitation with other siblings. Am I right, people that work in this industry? Okay, I mean, let's think about that for a second. You've already been taken away out of your home, which you you were probably, you know, needed to be taken out. But now you can't go see your brothers and sisters because of the, and how much worse did life just get for you? That you're in a strange place now, and now you can't even see your brothers, and even if they weren't the ones that harmed you, you can't see them anymore. Cause, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything lightly, but, alright, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna stop from what I was getting ready to say, cause it's, I'm gonna, anyway, so, 
how bad is life when there's a court order that you can't even go see? At least, you know, your big sister always was there for you. Now you can't see her. That's awful. You think the devil isn't happy with, you think the devil's sad about COVID-19? You think the the devil, he's loving every second of this, man. Loving every second of this, especially having a golden chance to to mess with kids even more and and, and, and to screw them up. And so uh, currently, if if I'm allowed to share this, you guys have 206 kids in your care at the moment. And out of the 206, 111 have happened since uh, the, the quarantine started a couple months ago. Like, that's it. For, a, for our small little area, that's a lot of kids being rescued out of harm's way. And, 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 but then also having, you know, as, as good a work as everyone's doing, still dealing with a lot of other probably emotional and challenging issues that come with that. That's heartbreaking, man. That's absolutely heartbreaking that that type of stuff is going on. And yet, most Christians put no effort whatsoever into reaching kids with Jesus. That's something for Christians to think about right now. And so, I believe that not only is church essential, I believe children's ministry is essential to our survival. It's absolutely essential to our survival and for reaching people. Now, I'm going to start winding down here in a second, but stick with me. I'm going to throw something a little bit. I don't want to confuse you, but a little bit deep. But most people's cognitive development finally peaks out by about the age of 35. All right. So I just turned 35 and I'm like, wow, I really feel like I've arrived. I've peaked. I finally understand things. And so this means your, your ability to reason and, 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 and understand things, right? Your ability to make decisions and reason, it peaks out by about, so you're just, you're on an upward trend for all these years that persons, we're talking psychologically here, their moral development finally peaks out by the age of 18. And so most, what I'm saying is this, most people have their basic foundation and boundaries for what right and wrong is by the time they're 18. And so if somebody develops a habit and and, and an okayness of uh, telling little white lies by the age of 18, for the rest of their life, they're pretty much going to probably tell little lies to people all the time because they've developed a framework of morality that says, eh, and it's just little stuff. I'll just tell my boss that this happened and, and, and they become okay with it. And, and, and so do you see what I'm saying? That by most people, by the time they're 18, they've set up what their moral scope is for the rest of their life. If, if, if parents have, have ingrained them to be a generous person and, and a, a compassionate person by the age of 18, for the rest of their life, they'll probably be compassionate, generous people. So what I'm saying is this. It is so vital, every statistic I've shared, that we reach people with Jesus while they're young. Does everybody see that? It's very, 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 very vital that we reach people with Jesus and with the gospel while they're young. Because most of the time, by the time it's 18, and I'm seeing that, man. I, I've done young adults and youth ministry, and, and I'm, some of the stuff these guys think is okay is just, I'm, I'm not making fun of them, but mind-blowing. They'll tell me, I'm like, you think that's okay? 
Why? Why, why, why would it be okay? Well, it's okay to steal from a rich person because they've got a lot more. Is it okay to steal from a poor person? No, that's awful. How dare you? So it's okay to steal from somebody that, you know, it's just extra to them. They've got a nice big house so we can take from them because we need it and we're poor. I'm telling a lot of young people actually believe stuff like that right now. It's just as wrong to steal from a rich person as a poor person. Stealing is wrong. So it's just mind-blowing some of the moral that we've people have built over the last several years. And as Christian parents and as Christian people, we have got to change some of this. Because if you don't like what you see going on in the world right now, the next 10 years from now could look really super-duper bad. Well, I, I beat him up because he said something that offended me. Yeah, I burned their house down. You're darn right I burned their house down. He didn't vote the same way I did. So that makes it okay? Yeah, it makes it okay. It sounds crazy, but we're seeing this junk right now. Imagine another 10 or 20 years from now. It's time for us to take it serious. The last thing I'm going to show you is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. Amen. Are you still with me today? I didn't lose you yet, did I? Okay. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. And so, survey after survey, stat after stat that I've seen, undeniably, the very most influential people in children's lives to determine whether they're going to be a Christian or not, or to, to mold their faith for the future, undeniably, is their parents. The bulk majority of people that come to Jesus, not everybody, but the majority of people that come to Jesus, their parents were the ones that influenced them and helped them pray to receive Jesus. Most people, that was my case, that was many of your kids. Now, a lot of you weren't in that case, but a lot of you were later in life. But how many people just in this room, your parents were the ones that told you about Jesus and brought you to Jesus? Okay, a lot of people in this room. Yeah, the majority of people in this room, it was your parents that were the first ones and that then that led you to Jesus. So parents, here's about the most sound godly advice you could ever get right here from Moses himself. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. And this is the Lord speaking through Moses. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to the old people. No, to your children. Repeat the word of God to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Moses, the Lord said to these guys, if we're going to raise the next generation in the ways of God, you need to be talking to these kids while you're on the road, while you're at home. You need to write them on the door. You need to wear it on your arm. You need to everywhere surround these kids with the word of God. Parents, the biggest responsibility, grandparents rest and relies on us to teach our children the ways of God. And there's so many kids that are not in our own home, right? And, and, and we get that. But we as a church and we as Christians have a obligation, have a responsibility to do everything we can to protect children and to reach them with 
the gospel. Can I get a great big amen today? Amen. God is good to us. I've shared a lot of things, some stats and stuff today. And so here I've got breaking news, major announcement that I want to share. I'm going to, Katie, come on up with me. Uh, but we've been looking at how can we get children's ministry open. And just to make a long story short, we need a certain amount of workers to be able to do it. And for whatever reason, and you need to know as a church, we're telling people, you know, Hey, oh, you, you know, you had the sniffles this week, you know, just quarantine your, you know, don't come. So we're doing everything we can. If you've got symptoms or whatever, stay home. And because of that, we're doing the right thing, right? We're already taking a very gutsy step of faith to be having church right now, as many of you know. But, uh, but for that reason, we just haven't been able to, uh, uh, get all the, it hasn't been able to get all the pieces together. So Katie and I were driving the other day and I believe the Lord gave her this great, uh, idea for something that we're going to be doing for at least the next very temporary season. You know, we'll see where God leads with it, but we're going to be starting next week, turning Sunday nights into a big family night. We're going to have a big, yes, like, <laughs> we're going to open up Sunday night service and it's going to be all about families and it's going to be mainly focused at kids. It's going to be a kid's service with adult care provided. So you guys, adults, you can be here. But we're going to be doing stuff all focused at the kids. We're going to make it fun, but it's going to be life-changing. It's going to be reaching the kids with the gospel once again in person. We'll do games. We'll do prizes. We'll do kids' songs. We'll do adult songs. We'll do a lesson mainly aimed at kids, but it'll bless any adult too. I guarantee you that. But it's going to be Absolutely. I'm excited. We've got some actually great big ideas for it. And so it is not going to be like most church services you adults have been to. But I very, very strongly encourage parents, grandparents, come and get your kids in here. We're going to continue ministering to them. The adults are going to be involved. It's going to be absolutely awesome. But it's a great opportunity. And the kids need it because, listen, we don't know when they're going back to school. We don't know when they're going to be back around other little people their age. We are going to reach kids. And it, I'm excited, man. And so we got great big ideas popping up all over the place. But we're going to at least do it for a little bit and bless the kids and reach them. It's going to be absolutely awesome. I'm super excited about this. Parents, get the kids here. Amen. Amen. I won't preach a second sermon, but I'm super excited about this, too. Normally, I am the logistics end. So what happens church-wise is they bring an idea and we all talk about it and I shoot all the bullet holes in it. That's like my role. <laughs> that <laughs> He said I'm a good shot. Um, so what, <laughs> what has happened role-wise is I come and say, well, this is going to be an issue and that is going to be an issue and it may not work because of this over here. Um, we have had a couple of meetings about children's and tried to logistically make things work because it's necessary because our own kids, and if I do say so myself, they have a pretty good life. Um, but they get real tired of being at home and they get real tired of me. And I don't think I'm that bad, but you know, we all get tired of being stuck there. And even though it may not be as horrific as some of the numbers that we've seen or the foster situations that we've encountered and seen, they need ministered to. 
So we're staring at this and looking at, okay, we got it planned out and we figured it out and we've got this children's schedule and here it is, Jesus, here's our plan. And then four people within two days called and said, oh, I can't come to church. All four of those people were part of our children's ministry team. So that's what it looks like at a moment's notice when none of no one here and none of our church family at all has actually had any symptoms of COVID. Even people who may have worked next to a person and had to go get tested, negative test after negative test after negative test, because Psalm 91 is true and does work. So thank you, Jesus. However, we are cooperative and we are compliant. And so the reality is, no, those people aren't here today. Yes, they're all watching. I love you. And um, all of them are doing what they should. So they won't be here today and they may not be here next Sunday. So that throws a wrench in the plan. So the easiest way to deal with this is to say, it's just not working. It's just not going to work. But God has a plan. And we have more than enough people here to minister for Jesus, right? And so you're all going to minister for Jesus. That's how this is going to work. So uh, we need you, all of you, whatever areas you're serving in, we need all of you. Now, that's not to say that those of us who are not background checked, that we're going to let you head up a team of kids. You're welcome to come for sure. But we do have policies in place to keep protecting our kids. So there are still rules and there are still, you know, there's still procedure to be dealt with to make sure things are done in excellence and done well. Uh, but at the same time, I want you here yelling and screaming and laughing at the videos that get played or joking about the games. And us adults are still going to have to socially distance and we're still going to have to wear masks. But we have double, double, double checked and our kids do not have to wear masks. So, yes, Jesus. <laughs> so not this Sunday night, obviously, but next Sunday night, I would love it if you would come. Bring your kids, bring your grandkids, bring your neighbor kid. Wear some t-shirts and jeans. Let's just come have a good time and be a family. There will be games. There will be goofing off. There will be loud. And it's going to be a great time. Who's coming next Sunday night? Oh my gosh, lift your hands and get here for next Sunday night. Amen. Hallelujah. We love you kids. Uh, we love you teens. Not this Wednesday, but then the next Wednesday, um, we are going to have youth group in the admin buildings during service. The other thing I need to mention while we're talking about kids, when we say kids, we're talking like preschool through fifth graders in churchy terms. When we're talking about nursery kids, we say nursery. That's the bitty bitties up till about three and four. And then my teens, my teens are running this church, in case you didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly really, really incredible. When we sat down to do our Ministry of Help schedule, we went to do Wednesday and we took out all the teen names. And then we realized, well, we can't run this screen on a Wednesday because 
We only have one adult who does that. That's unreal. Oh, well, we can't run this camera because we have no adults that do that. Oh, well, we're down like multiple people on our sanitizing and cleaning team because we still have less adults who do that. It's not that you all adults aren't working, but every single student in our youth ministry who has been attending services is working somewhere. So thank you very, very much. Thank you for serving. Amen. So speaking of serving, um, I can't hand you papers still. Um, on the back wall under the clock, there are Ministry of Help schedules. Please take a picture of it as you leave and look through it. Um, if you've been serving in an area or you said you would serve in an area, if you could double check that. We also are going to post that for you online. So hdwc.org slash helps. Um, that will have the schedules on there as well. So be looking for a text message, or if you have a question about it, feel free to text your director or Desiree, and we'll try to get that information to you. By the end of August, we will have software that will alert you, that can send an alert to your phone that says, hey, by the way, you're scheduled, and you can confirm or deny just like a doctor's appointment. (laughs) We're getting there. Hallelujah. That'll be a big deal for a lot of us. So... Thank you to all of you who serve. Thank you to all of you who have trusted us with your kids. We love you, and we're so grateful to call you family. Amen. Amen. All right. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together today. Mom's got something. We're going to... What does she got? Oh, and yeah, go ahead and stand up with us. Take your time. (laughs) Kidding. I'm kidding with you. Uh, We do have a special first-timer with us today. We got little Madison over here, right? Madison Rubino with Norma and Blake. She was born on Wednesday. So she is only four days old. Oh, my gosh. And they got her in the house. That's some good parenting right there, I think. Look at that, man. That's impressive. Then, like I said, we just, we got all sorts of babies everywhere. We're, we're finally running out of pregnant women because they're all starting to have the kids, but it's, it's wild. So anyway, yeah, praise God. So, all right, well, let's go ahead. We're going to close out today and, uh, we thank you guys. I hope everybody was blessed. Who's glad that they were in church today? You got to hear from God. That was a little bit of a different type of message than what, you know, we'd normally do, but I know that it was something that God told us to talk about and do. And I want to encourage you with that, that you have a great opportunity. Last week I talked about, uh, I challenged everybody to go share Jesus last week with people. And so I was going to stores just when I was checking out, man, you know, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I've got Jesus, you know, and I was at getting a, getting some auto work done at a place and she's, how are you doing today? I'm like, man, I'm doing great. Why? I got Jesus in my heart. Come on, somebody. And so, you know, it was, so we're telling people about Jesus. But then I wondered, I wonder how many people consider talking to a child about Jesus this week or if they only focused on adults. But don't, don't raise your hand if that's you. So praise God. Uh, we're going to close out. And remember, um, we got service Wednesday night. So service Wednesday night at seven. It's going to be awesome. Then next Sunday, we got a real awesome service plan. And then that night will be our first ever family night where we have a great big time together and it's going to be awesome. Amen. So let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. We'll send you on your way and you can go out there and change the world for Jesus. How's that sound today?
Amen. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. We'll see you real soon.